Hey everybody, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Gwinnett Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, we would love it if you would take just a moment to download the Gwinnett Church app where you can have access to all of our recent message content as well as find out about what's going on around here at Gwinnett Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. Most importantly, however, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Uh, my name is Reed Moore. Yes, I know that that is a command. My wife says I need to not say that joke, but you all don't know me. And inevitably, somebody after will be like, do you know your name is Reed Moore? And I'll be like, yeah, it's been that way for my whole life. So... Um, Yes, but it's a command, and some of you uh, will get that later on in the service, and you'll chuckle at a time that's inappropriate, and um, that's okay. I'll know what it is, and you'll know what it is. You just got that that's my name. So uh, I do have the privilege of being the lead pastor, as Chris Cawley said, uh, at Gwinnett Church, uh, which is fitting because uh, I grew up in Gwinnett. I screwed up in Gwinnett. I got saved in Gwinnett, and so it seems just fitting that God would call me now to serve in Gwinnett. And so uh, I'm, I'm excited uh, to have the privilege of being the lead pastor at Gwinnett Church, um, and also though, to get to be hanging out with all of you here today. Now, uh, I mentioned my wife. Uh, we also have three, uh, three youngins. I was gonna say babies. They're not babies anymore. I have a seven-year-old, uh, a five-year-old, and a soon-to-be two-year-old. And uh, so if you just think about it this week, pray for me. Um, it's a fun season. They're not infants. We're out of diapers almost, you know? And so uh, we're, we're, we're enjoying life. We're in that season though right now, you guys, where, um, where all of our friends are either trying to or they're having kids. Like uh, anybody else in that season? Uh, some of you are like, nope, we sent all of ours off and we're glad. So, which is awesome too, right? But we're in the season where all of our friends are, they're, they're having kids, they're trying to, to grow their family, add to their family, right? So uh, we're in that season. And uh, the, like after the birth of our third, my, my youngest, Landon, um, another group, uh, another couple in our small group, uh, they, they added a few months after their second. And uh, we did, what you do when you're a decent human being. We went over there and brought him a meal, right? You know, so we went over there, brought him a meal and we, we were, you know, doing the thing where you like hang out with their kid and our kids trying to keep them from messing up their house. Um, but they were, you know, we're hanging out and typically when you go over and somebody has got a new baby and then you've got your baby, you kind of like swap war stories, you know, you're like, you wouldn't believe the blowout, you know? And like, and so you're like, you commiserate a little bit and, uh, uh, but it was not the case this time. We went over there and we're hanging out and my wife is like holding their baby and this baby was amazing. I mean, this was like the best baby. Like this baby just just slept, just laid, just was fine, right? Like, and then my wife hands her off. You wanna hold her? Yeah, sure. Nothing, right? We're like, what? Like, this is outstanding. Pass her around, pass her around. One of my kids holds her, you know, like this baby sleeps through it all. It's like, wow, this is a really great baby. And I'm listening while I'm also watching my kids to make sure they're not destroying these people's house. And my wife is talking with this lady that's also in our small group and they're talking and my wife is like, oh my gosh, is she always like this? And we were thinking that, you know, our friend would be like, no, you just caught her on a good day. Um, but this girl says to my wife, yes, she is always like this. And I was like, oh, 
God. She was like, she's always this way. She's just like the best baby in the whole world. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, she sleeps so hard that we have to wake her up in the middle of the night to feed her. And then she just goes right back to bed. I'm like, oh my God. And then she's like, I had to take her to the office a couple of times, you know, cause we're like getting back into the office. And she just, she loves her stroller, her car seat. She's just content. She might coo every now and then. And I'm like, what? And I don't know what came over me, like, um, but I just blurted out, like involuntarily, you guys, as she's saying this to my wife. I'm not even involved in the conversation. I just went, I hate you. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but I do, right? You know, like, and the reason why I said that is because as she's talking about how content her baby is, um, my youngest, Landon, is in fact the worst baby that there's ever been. And I know like if, if you guys ever hear me speak, I can be prone to hyperbole, but this is not an exaggeration. Like he is the worst baby ever. Like, I mean, I'm talking about like, like never sleeps, screams bloody murder, came out of the womb knowing no. Like he was just like, no, no you know? And you're like, what is your problem, right? Like. He, I mean, for a year solid, like my wife and I haven't slept. So if I look tired, I am. Like I'm exhausted, right? Like um, he's the absolute worst baby. And so hearing her talking about how content her baby was just made me just feel like, you know, like I don't even wanna hear this, right? Can we leave? And so I can just remember being so frustrated. And I share that with you guys this morning. One, because I feel like I needed to get it off my chest, right? That is, Landon is the reason why we will remain a family of five, okay? But I also share that with you today, right? Not just to get that off of my chest, but also because today we're gonna talk about contentment. And when I say contentment, I don't mean like settling for less. I don't mean like, you know, just being happy with whatever it is that the lot you've been given, like not that type of, like when I talk about contentment today, I'm talking about your joy, your peace, your satisfaction in life. And, and we're gonna talk about that for a little bit this morning because here's what I know is that some of you on the scale of my friend's baby to Landon, right? Like some of you are a little bit more Landon than you would like to be. And if I were to ask you right now this morning, the question that I'd love to start us off with this morning is, how would you right now describe your current level of contentment? How would you describe your current level of contentment? Are, are you, are, my, my guy Bill said, he's a six. He's about a six. How would you describe your current level? If there was a gauge on your chest, like a fuel gauge, how, how, where would it be? Would it be trending towards full? Would it be trending towards empty? What's your current level of contentment, satisfaction, joy, peace, in your life right now. The reason why I think this is important for us to talk about is one, we all want to be more probably content than we are right now. I don't know that I've talked to anybody recently that's just like, I am pinging out at full. I am so content, <laughs> you know, like, like I don't know anybody right now that I'm currently like, uh, because you guys, the last like 18 months or so have put a serious drain on our contentment, haven't they? The last 18 months or so have, have put a serious withdrawal and have burned up and churned through our contentment at a rate like never before. 
and our, our feeling of joy and peace and satisfaction has just been rapidly burning out. Uh, I know for me, that's been true in the last 18 months. I have, I have definitely, this has been my experience. I've had many moments now of less than a six. I've had many moments of, of low trending towards E in my personal level of contentment. And um, uh, it was probably, what, eight months ago, uh, I found myself in a very low moment um, and wondering what I had done in taking over a church in the middle of a pandemic. And everyone was contentious and things were difficult. And I know this is not a sob story. This is just to say, like, we've all had it difficult. It's all been challenging and it's not been easy to be a pastor either. And I found myself feeling depleted of joy, depleted of peace, depleted of hope, and feeling, if I can just be totally honest, discontent. And I get choked up a little bit because I found myself probably eight months ago saying something to my wife that I never thought I would say. And that was, we were up late one night and I said, this isn't fun anymore. And y'all, I love ministry. I love being a pastor, but it stopped being fun. And I found myself depleted and drained and trending towards empty when it comes to my contentment. And it just so happens in that season, um, I stumbled upon uh, a passage of scripture and it's a passage of scripture that I have read honestly hundreds of times. That's how spiritual I am. Hundreds of times, right? Very spiritual. Actually, I get paid to read the Bible. So, um, but I, I found like this passage that I had, I've, I've read it, I've, I've studied it before and, um, and yet it stood out to me in a new way. And I found myself as I thought about it, as I, um, as I processed it, and honestly, as I put it into practice, um, I found it to be life-giving, hope-giving, joy-giving, and it has helped me to refill, refuel, and to guard my contentment. The passage of scripture is found in the book of Philippians. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't, don't worry. We've got the, the magic Bible up here that will appear. And so you need not uh, concern yourself. So we've got that. Um, but the book of Philippians, it's interesting because it's called the book of joy by people that or study the Bible all the time. It's known as the book of joy, but it's not written out of a joyful circumstance. It's actually written uh, from a prison cell by the apostle Paul. And if you've been around North Point at all, you've heard Andy talk about it far more eloquent than I have. Um, you've, you've heard Andy talk about Paul and who Paul is, that he was a Christian hater, turned Christian maker, turned church planner. He's one of the most um, important and influential uh, Christians and honestly humans uh, in, in history. And uh, the apostle Paul is sitting in a prison cell um, for doing exactly what God had called him to do. And in the midst of that, he writes this letter to a church of which he was grateful for. And, um, and in chapter one, 
He writes of his thankfulness towards them and their partnership with the gospel. In chapter two, he writes to them of humility and how we ought to emulate Jesus in his humility and serve one another and count others before ourselves. In chapter three, he talks about the surpassing greatness of relationship, of knowing Jesus and not just performing to get Jesus to like you. And so he talks about that. And then in chapter four, he addresses this topic that we're gonna talk about today for the, for the remaining minutes. He addresses this topic of contentment. And, and it's amazing. You want to lean in and listen because here's Paul and he's writing from a situation in which you could obviously see why he would not be content. And yet he writes with an attitude and with a tone and with something in his voice that communicates to us that he actually has a level of contentment that does not seem to match his allotment in life. And he's going to unpack for us in chapter four, uh, the secret to his success in this, the secret to his contentment. And so what we're gonna do just for the time that we've got together, uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna walk through what Paul says in Philippians chapter four about how he has managed to find and keep contentment and peace and joy when his circumstances seem to speak otherwise. And when things around him seem to be coming for his contentment, this is how he's managed to keep it. And so we're gonna take a look at that this morning. And so this is what Paul starts with in Philippians chapter four. He says this, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all for the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul starts and it's almost like he's addressing this tension that we've just talked about. He's like, do you, do you feel discontent? Are, are, are you lacking in peace? Is your joy being undermined? Do you, do you lack satisfaction? Like, are you looking for that? And it's like, let me tell you the way to get it or the way to keep it if you've already got it. And he says, it starts right here. He says, I want you to rejoice. And he says, and again, I'll tell you, rejoice. It's like he's saying, rejoice. Remember to rejoice. This idea of delight in, give thanks to, give praise to God. I want you to think about and give praise to and give thanks to. I want you to delight in God for who he is and for what he's done. I want you to think about that. That's where this contentment journey starts. If you wanna get your contentment back, your joy back, your hope back, your peace back, he says it starts with this rejoicing. And he says it twice and usually this is just a good note when you're reading your Bible. If someone uh, repeats it, then it's important. So that's a good, like underline that, highlight it, mark it, because if it's repeated, then it's important. And so he says, I want you to rejoice. Remember to rejoice. Remember if you're trying to get your peace back, if you're trying to get your joy back, it starts with thanksgiving to God. Of course you can ask, he says, obviously bring your prayers and your requests. Of course you can ask God to intervene. Of course you can ask God and invite him in to provide you with peace and to provide you with joy. But he says, you do it with thanksgiving. He says, it starts with gratitude. You do it with a heart of thanks. And he says, then that's the way in which you bring your requests 
to God. He says it starts there because you guys, he's onto something here. You see, he wants us to get this. The gateway to contentment, it's actually gratitude. Gratitude is the gateway to contentment. Paul says, look, if you're lacking on peace, if you're lacking on joy, if you're lacking in this area of contentment, if you're lacking satisfaction in your work, in your relationships, in your mental health, in your emotional health, in your spiritual life, if you're lacking contentment, he says, gratitude is the gateway. You see, contrary to popular belief, it's not accumulating things. Accumulation is not the the pathway to satisfaction. It's actually appreciation. That's actually the key. That's where it begins. Accumulation of stuff and status will not produce the contentment that you think that it will. And, and, and a lot of you know this because you've tried. And Paul says it's actually appreciation. He says appreciation is what will produce gratitude. It will produce contentment in your life. And so he says, start with thanksgiving. But now the the challenge in that, right, is that a lot of us will say, well, I don't feel very grateful, Paul, right? My situation is not great or I'm feeling depleted. And so how do I come to God with rejoicing when I don't feel so joyful? I feel empty. I feel at a loss. Well, the good news is, is that Paul is not going to tell us just to feel something. He's actually going to show us how to cultivate gratitude in our hearts and in our lives. He's actually going to give us some tools here in this passage for how to cultivate that thanksgiving so that we can get back to contentment, peace, and joy, and we can grow in that in our lives. And so he says, right, we start with thanksgiving because it's the gateway. But then he says this, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, he says, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, he said, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul, he starts and he says, all right, hey, you can, if you're lacking, if you're lacking peace, if you're lacking joy, if you're lacking contentment, he says, listen, you gotta know this. Gratitude is gonna be the gateway to getting that contentment back. But, but he says, gratitude, I recognize something that thankful is a feeling, but gratitude is actually a choice. You see, gratitude is a focus, you guys. It's not a feeling. This is what we're learning from the Apostle Paul here in this Philippians thing. And this is where some things shifted in my mind as I was feeling depleted of joy, as I was feeling depleted of peace, as I was feeling depleted of my satisfaction and contentment in life and things that were going on, right? I read that first part and it sounds like Paul's just going like, buck up, right? Like, like be thankful. And you're like, I can't. And he's like, well, let me show you how. Because gratitude is a skill that we learn. It is a habit that we build. It is a practice that we must have. It does not come naturally. And all the parents said, amen, exactly. Because you, you have to teach your kid to say thankful, thank you, but you don't have to teach them to say gimme, do you, right? You have to repeat it again and again and again. It is a skill that we learn, this gratitude thing. It is a practice that we must continue to do again. And again. It is a habit that we must make of identifying things. This is what Paul says. He goes, hey, you know what? I want you to look for the things in your life intentionally. 
I want you to take some time and sit down and intentionally identify some things in your life that are good, that are true, that are lovely, that are pure, that are excellent, that are praiseworthy. I want you to intentionally identify some of those things in your life. And as you do, I want you to give thanks for them. This is a habit that you build. This is a focus that you choose, which is a really good thing because you know what it also means is that it's not a demeanor, it's actually a decision. So all of you Enneagram threes and eights that are like, must achieve, you know, like, like that means that it's actually like, it's not, it's not a disposition or a demeanor that you have, gratitude's not. It is a decision that you make. It is a choice to shift your focus towards some things in your life and some people in your life that you are grateful for, and then to choose to give thanks for them. Paul says, this is a practice and we have to get better at it. It is a skill to learn and it is a focus to set this gratitude thing. And so here's what this has looked like for me. Um, Eight months ago or so when I stumbled into this, a couple of the guys in my group, we decided we were just gonna, like I started just by writing down each one of those words and I wrote it down in, in a notebook. I was gonna say a journal, and then all the men were gonna be like, oh, journal, what are feelings, right? Like, and so, but I, I started to write down some of these in a notebook, write down just some of the words. Good, true, lovely, pure, excellent, praiseworthy. And then I would just write down something in my life that that word described. And I probably did that for a good month, I probably did that where I would write it down. And then honestly, I just, that's so many words, right? So I was like, I didn't continue that habit, but it was a good habit for me to start. And for some of you in here, that might be a good place for you to start. If you're feeling depleted and you wanna get your contentment back, your joy back, your peace back, it might be a good idea just to write down some of those things in a notebook and to write down some things in your life that those words describe. I did that for about a month and then I've now transitioned into this other habit that I have continued and, I, and I'm still doing it. Um, full confession, I didn't do it this morning. I don't do it every morning, right? I'm not a perfect Christian people, but like I'm pretty good. And so I've been doing it most mornings where, um, where I get up and I walk and I go on a 45 minute walk. And this is not like, this is not like, you know, power walking mom, you know what I'm saying? Like in the neighborhood, this is just like a slow walk, right? I just walk in the neighborhood for 45 minutes. And the first 15 minutes of that, I set a timer. And for 15 minutes before I ask God for anything, before I open up, honestly, my Bible app or anything like that, before I throw on a podcast and listen to whatever's going on with my favorite sports teams, before I do any of that stuff, I spend 15 minutes and I just thank God for things in my life. And I just, I just start thanking him. And, and, and if I'm being totally honest, some mornings it takes me 15 minutes, y'all. There are, have been days where it's taken me 15 minutes to think of one. And then other days I just fill the 15 minutes and I keep going and I go beyond the 15 minutes. But I put it as this practice because it doesn't come natural. It's a skill that I've got to learn. It's a focus that I've got to set. And I'm finding that as I do that, it is generating that peace and that joy and that contentment. And it's actually reminding me to be more grateful and express more gratitude in my relationships. As a matter of fact, I was walking the other morning and I was thanking God for my parents. And um, I just say that because they're 
I get choked up because they're here um, and I'm so grateful for them. And, um, and I was thinking about it and I was thanking God for them. And then it reminded me that I should probably call my mom because uh, I am a man and I am terrible at that, right? Like, and so I forget all the time and I tell my mom and she sees me and like, call me more. And I'm like, <laughs> and then I don't. <laughs> So I'm like, I know I need to, I know I should, but the other morning I was walking and I was thanking God for my parents and, and just thanking God that my kids have great grandparents. And I was like, that's amazing. And then it reminded me to express that gratitude to her. And so I picked up the phone and I gave her a call and expressed some gratitude and it's producing fruit in my life. So for some of you, maybe you just need to set 15 minutes in the morning. Shoot, maybe some of you just need to start with five you just need to take five minutes in the morning and before you check your email and before you get on your social media and before you start like thinking about work and the day and the things that you gotta do, take five minutes and just express some gratitude first thing in the morning and make it a habit. Not just when you feel like it, but set an alarm, set a reminder and do it consistently. That might be a good one. Maybe for you, we're trying to teach our kids this as well. And, um, and so we have like prayer routine time at night. Um, Again, not every night. Some nights are like, brush your teeth, you know what I mean? Like, and so <laughs> I'm a real person, right? So it's not every night that it's like, we're just sweet Jesus, just praying, you know? Uh, some nights it's like, so um, <laughs> Andy will be back next week. He'll be great. So, <laughs> so the most nights we're trying to develop this habit with our kids even and what we're doing in our prayer time, my wife and I, we, we will sit down with our kids and, um, and we'll say, hey, what are, what are three things you wanna thank God for today? What are three things you just wanna thank God for today? You know, what's so funny is like, as, as we're helping our kids do that, and, and some, some nights they've got all these things and it's so amazing. Some nights they look at you like you just asked them to do algebra. You know what I mean? And I, like, and, uh, but, but they're getting better and better at developing this attitude of gratitude as we make it a habit in our house. And it's been cool to see, like even my wife and I, it's like helping us to develop more gratitude as our kids, because inevitably our kids are gonna turn around and ask us the same thing. And they go, well, what are you thankful for? And it's like, oh man, and it's forcing us to process even at the end of our day. And so for some of you in the room, you might need to establish that as a habit. Maybe it's the end of the day and you sit down and you go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna intentionally thank God for three things today. Or maybe just one thing. One thing that you're thankful for today. And this habit, Paul says, as you establish this habit of practicing gratitude and you, as you learn this skill of giving thanks, of identifying and giving thanks for things in your life, then what Paul says is that the peace of God which passes understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus and the God of peace will be with you. You will experience peace, greater joy, greater contentment because the gateway to contentment is to gratitude. And it's this habit that we build. Now, what's cool is there's some results 
of this, and we see it in Paul's life, he's gonna add a PS section to this. If you will establish this as a habit, there are some things that will be produced in your life, not just the hope and the joy and all that kind of stuff, but perspective shifts and things like that. I wanna show you real quick, we'll go through it. This is what Paul says. He says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. And that right there is your like high school locker room verse, your Tim Tebow, I black, you know what I mean? I can score all the touchdowns through Jesus who gives me strength, right? Like, and so that's the, one of the most like taken out of context verses in like all of the scriptures, right? And what Paul is talking about here is he's like, as I have developed this posture of gratitude, as I have practiced it, as I have been intentional about identifying things, what I have learned is this skill of being able to spot what I'm grateful for in every season. What I have learned is to adopt this perspective as I've made this my habit. What I have learned is that every season has a reason to be grateful. And so he identifies with them. He goes, you know what? I'm grateful, even though like you forgot about me for a while, I'm actually grateful that you remembered me while I was sitting in this prison cell. And so he's identifying the thing that he's grateful for and he's gotten good at it. And then though he adds that Philippians 4.13 verse, which is so important because he says, and I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And what Paul is saying is, hey, you know what? Like the secret to my contentment is that I've learned that in every season I have a reason to be grateful. And even if I can't find a person or a thing to be grateful for, I've always got Jesus. This is what he's saying. He goes, even if I can't think of a single person or a single thing in my current circumstance to be grateful for, I've always got Jesus. He is always with me. He is always for me. His love and his acceptance of me are unconditional. And so even if I can't think of anything to be grateful for, I've got something to be grateful for. And his name is Jesus. And in that I have strength. And that is what Paul said. That's what that verse means. So it doesn't mean you can squat 400 pounds. You know what I mean? Like that's not what it means. It means that in every situation, in every circumstance, there is always something to be grateful for. And Paul says, I've developed that muscle. I've developed that skill. I can spot it. Even the thing that looked like a slight, I can turn that into a praise. And if I can't find anything else, I've always got Jesus. He says, that is my secret to my contentment is I have learned that in every season, there is a reason to be grateful. And then he continues and he says this. He says, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. 
They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Now, that is the worst, just heads up, thank you note ever, right? He's like, he literally comes out and he's like, hey, thanks, so thanks so much for the stuff. Didn't need it, but appreciate it, right? So like, when you get your Christmas gifts, don't write that thank you note, but Paul's on to something. He's like, hey, listen, as, as I am practicing this habit of gratitude, what I'm learning is that I didn't need as much as I thought that I needed, and I have way more than I'm currently being grateful for. And so what he's doing is he's actually, you're watching the death of entitlement in Paul. And he is recognizing that he had more to be grateful for than he was currently being grateful for. And so as this thing is developing, what you're seeing is this thing that will happen in all of us. And that is that when the less we feel entitled to, the more that we're able to enjoy. This is what happens when you practice intentional gratitude is that you fight against entitlement and the less you feel entitled to, the more you're actually able to enjoy in your life. The more things that come your way that you're able to actually just say thank you for because you didn't feel entitled to them. And here's another thing, the more you're able to celebrate in others. And so instead of grumbling and complaining and comparing about what someone else has got that you didn't get, when you're grateful for what you do have, you're able to actually celebrate them. Oh my gosh, I am so glad that you got another raise. You know what I mean? Like, and you can celebrate them with authenticity because you realize you are realizing nobody owes you anything. And when you have that posture that nobody knows me anything, then I am free to enjoy everything that comes my way. And I don't have to stumble over what comes your way. And so Paul says, Hey, I'm practicing this gratitude thing. I'm learning that every season has a reason to be grateful and it's killing my entitlement. And I'm so grateful for the gifts that you gave me, but you didn't need to send me a thing, but I'm glad that you sent me the thing. You didn't owe me anything, but I'm able to enjoy it. And then he closes with this. And I love this encouragement from a guy sitting in a jail cell that seemingly has very little but he's so confident of what God's gonna do. He says, and my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Here's this guy sitting in a jail cell, seemingly not having his needs met, and yet he's been practicing gratitude. He's been rejoicing in the Lord again. I say rejoice. He's been developing that muscle, that habit, that attitude of gratitude. And as he does so, he's able to appreciate these things. He's able to spot the goodness of God, even in his hard circumstance. And as he does so, he's able to look at somebody else and, and have his hope stirred and go, hey, you know what? I'm confident that God's actually gonna show up and meet all of your needs too. The power and the importance of having a habit of gratitude in your life is that gratitude stirs up your gratefulness. And y'all, I'm telling you, what we see in the apostle Paul is that grateful people are hopeful people. Grateful people are hopeful people. When you are grateful for all that God has done in your life and, and you're able to spot the ways that God is moving in your life, then you are able to get your hopes and expectations up for what God is going to do in the future or in the life of somebody else. This is the power and the importance of practicing intentional gratitude. It just stirs something up in us. It's like, I was thinking of this as I was coming up with this sermon I was thinking that is milk. Um, and this is, made me think of this, what this habit of gratitude can do. And um, 
Y'all ever made chocolate milk before? Yeah. Those of you that haven't, I'll be down front to pray for you after the service. Um, yeah, that's like eight-year-old chocolate milk right there. Come on. It's like when you tell your kids they can make chocolate milk and then they're just like, I'll have some milk with my chocolate. Um, when you have a habit of intentional gratitude, when you can take time to practice this and you can identify things in your life that are good, that are, that are lovely, that are pure, that are true, that are excellent, that are praiseworthy. When you can practice that habit in your life, this is what it does. It's like those things like your peace and your hope and your joy and your satisfaction that feels stuck, that feels clogged, that feels like it's congealed at the bottom of the glass. When you practice gratitude, intentional gratitude, what you're doing when you take that time, that 15 minutes in the morning or that time to make a note or when you take that time to express some gratitude or that time to worship God or 15 minutes just to thank God while you're walking around your neighborhood, what you're doing is you're stirring up that joy and you are stirring up that hope and you are stirring up your peace and you are stirring up your contentment. Are you feeling depleted? Are you feeling like your, your joy has been sapped or your peace has been stolen? Might I recommend to you gratitude and stir it up again? This is what the Apostle Paul gives us as the antidote to our discontentment. He says, gratitude is the gateway. And it's not just some feeling that you're supposed to conjure up. It is a practice. It is a habit that you can develop a skill to develop. And as you develop that skill, you will combat entitlement. You will combat your lack of joy. You will combat your lack of hope. You will actually remind yourself of, of where God is working. You will see God working in ways that maybe you were missing before, but it was already happening. And you will stir up your hope and you will stir up your joy and you will stir up your peace if you will practice the habit of gratitude. So if you're feeling depleted, if you're feeling down, if your tank of contentment is running on empty, might I recommend what the Apostle Paul says is a habit of identifying and giving thanks for things in your life. Might I recommend gratitude? It's the gateway to contentment and it will be the guard for your contentment as well. Now, in a moment, we're gonna sing a song to wrap up our time together. And as we do, my hope is that you'll be able to express some gratitude to God in that song or that you'll be able to take some time and just maybe just for a minute, just be able to start reflecting and give God thanks for at least one thing. But I want you to remember that this time that we're sharing at the end of this service, it's the starting line, not the finish line. It's the starting line, not the finish line to developing that habit. My hope and my prayer for you is that you will consider and that you will practice gratitude in your life this week and that you will reap the benefits of peace and joy and greater contentment. Let me pray for us. <clears throat> well, Heavenly Father, um, thank you so much. Thank you that you care about our contentment, our joy, our peace. And thank you that you've preserved these words from the Apostle Paul to challenge us, to instruct us, to encourage us that in every season there is a reason to be grateful. And if we couldn't think of one thing to be grateful for, we can always look to Jesus. I pray that you would help us this morning. Help us to implement that instruction, to actually have a practice of identifying things in our life of which we're grateful for and to give thanks for them. 
Help us to remember to rejoice in the ways that you're working. Would you help us to fight our forgetfulness? Would you help us by the power of your Holy Spirit working in us? Would you help us to stir up our gratitude so that we can stir up our hope and our peace and our joy? We love you. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen.